The pearls of the mind are valuable and must be seriously safeguarded from the careless and the unconcerned. But to those who value truths explored, come, think with me. Well, I realize that I have a sort of anniversary of sort. Uh, I started to have some feelings and I wasn't really sure what it was I was feeling. But it was awakening. It was an awakening inside. It was something disturbing me and and then finally it, it dawned upon me that uh, four years ago, around this time, I was fighting for my life. And I don't mean that in the sense of, of I'm in control, but I was fighting to breathe on my own. I was, I was fighting to turn over in bed. You see, I had flatlined at Emory University Hospital in the process of being admitted because my heart had congestive heart failure. And in the process of being admitted, I died. I, I simply just, my heart stopped. And three panels later, I woke up uh, in intensive care connected to life support. And the notice was that if I didn't get a heart soon, I would die permanently. Well, with the unhealthy heart struggling, and they kept me on my back, and I couldn't do anything for myself at all except be with myself and the Lord. And after a while, it seems like it was just me. <laughs> you know, it was, it, I felt some sense of forsakenness by God. I, I couldn't figure out why this would be my ending. I said, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm young still, and I just got started. I just got out of seminary. I'm just, you know, come on, God, what do I? And then I paused in my spirit, and that's when I had to start grappling with goodbyes to the world and to the Carlton that I knew. Because whatever happened after that date, I would never be the same, and I knew that. I would never be the same person. And that was one of the things that I started with as I lay there six weeks, attached to all kinds of tubes and having medications given to me to keep my heart stable enough to provide just enough to keep me alive until that heart came in. The rest of my body was functional, and that's one of the reasons why I was able to last. I was, I was in perfect health. My heart just was, I was born with a bad heart, and, and it was giving up. It was done. <laughs> and I, I'd only just begun to live in my own mind. That tension alone frightened me really bad. But you know, in the midst of waiting, I determined what I was waiting for. I had a beautiful treatment team, my cardiologist to this very day. I loved that man as if he were my father. <laughs> I loved that man. 
every time I look at him, I, it just gives me, well, we have that experience because he told me when he met me, he says, I can help you. I can help you. Let me help you. Trust me. And I did. And God used him. And everything he said to me, I did. And, and everything that happened, he said what happened, happened. And so now, laying in bed, attached, he would come by, smile at me, doing good. I felt like I was just there. But he said to me, you do what keeps you alive and you'll stay alive. In so many words, that's what he said to me. So I maintained my Bible studies via uh, media, <laughs> technology, YouTube. I did my Bible studies. I preached my sermons. I fellowship with my church. And I kept a collection of videos. <laughs> I looked like a skeleton. I looked like a dying person. And I was literally dying. But what I wasn't doing was dying. <laughs> my body was dying, but I was not dying. I was waiting on God's reserves. I was waiting on God's decision for my life. My doctors were waiting on a heart. I was waiting on a revelation. And I discovered at the end of six weeks with a new heart beating away in my chest in recovery, uh, in rehabilitation, I discovered that there was no miracle done around my heart, that the miracle had not yet occurred. The guy on the hall, down the hall from me, got a heart and a, a, a set of lungs. <laughs> Another guy got kidneys and, and uh, one lung, <laughs> okay? You know, transplant was, is a part of the process of the sovereign God who does what he does because he saw... See, listen, let, let me say it this way. Abraham and Sarah, you know, old people having Isaac. Well, when, when, when Joshua takes over the mountain from Moses, God begins a litany of things that he did in the life of Israel to, to give Joshua his props. And he, he says, regarding Sarah and Abraham, I gave them Isaac as if that was nothing. I just gave them Isaac. And to you and I, when we read it, we want to make that a grand miracle, a great thing. And, and we just want to make it all about a miracle. But it was simply God doing sovereign things. The miracle was the transformation of both, of both Sarah and Abraham in the process. How they responded to God. How what was a laughing matter for Sarah became serious business. <laughs> and, and, and Abraham passed on a heritage that he was told by God as if he owned it, as if it happened. He never saw it himself. But he passed on that promise. So it was, it was the fulfillment of God's sovereign promises, covenantal commitment, manifesting. Well, the same is true in our day. The miracle is not what God does. That's just God being God. The miracle is the response of what God has done. What did you do? I'm not looking for a miracle. I wasn't looking for a miracle then. And when I consider my friend, my brother of 50 years in like situation, 
I have more respect for God than to look for a miracle. I'm looking for the meaning so that the miracle can be made manifest. I shared that with him after I got out of him and he, he looked at me and he says, boy, you are amazing. So you don't see what happened to you as a miracle. He goes, no, I don't. I said, the miracle is about to happen. Let's see what I do with the time God has given me to do what God has given me the time to do. Then declare a miracle. Wait until my day is done to determine whether or not God worked a miracle in my life. It would, be, it would be a better movement in the hearts of believers if we could understand that getting the thing we want does not make what we get a miracle by no stretch of the imagination. God is not here for our free bidding and our free, our free willing, whatever we want to do. I, I would this, I want that, I will this. That is not God. That's you. God is sovereign. He said to Moses, after the breaking of the tablets, come here, Moses. He gives him a new law, and he said, this time, let me clear to you, I show compassion where I want to show compassion. I choose to be compassionate where I choose to be compassionate. And just because I did that over here don't mean I got to do that over here. I'm God. Take these tablets to your, my people. <laughs> and Moses was like, but they're down there bowing to the calf. I'm God. I'll show compassion where I want to show compassion. That's the will of God. Our journey is to understand him. Not to try and force him to understand us and do our bidding so that we can call him God. He's God whether you declare his godness or not. Miracle, that's begging. For God to do your will. <laughs> I know that's pretty, that's, that's pretty straightforward, but that's the way I learned that. I'm not, I'm not speaking as a preacher. I'm not speaking as a friend, uh, as a pastor. I'm speaking from the deathbed. Few people have this perspective because few people have been in this place. I understand so much more about dying than I have ever understood about living. Dying has taught me the value of living. Very few people can make that claim. And those of us who can hear them, because you can only stand in your wellness and in your depreciating bodies and wish and hope. But one who has died and been restored to live again in the freshness of God's decisions can tell you some things. You know, I had a friend who came to me after, after the transplant and, of course, had learned that I flatlined him. After the transplant, did you see the heavenly choir? Did you see the light? Did you hear the voice? Oh, stop watching TV to the point that it persuades you that what happens in the afterlife can be dramatized in cinema, cinema stages all over America. Wake up. The encounter 
is deeper than don't go into the light. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like that, baby. It is deeper than that. It is a redefinition of life. Because if we believe there is an afterlife, then we have to redefine the transition and see something new beyond death, beyond the grave. And if we should be resuscitated, I didn't say resurrected, I said resuscitated. It's <laughs> a difference. If we should go through the process of being in that place and life regranted, life extended, however you want to see it. If we should be in that place, medically dying, now back to life, should ever be in that place, the perspective of living becomes something transformed into something deeper and more, more, more powerful than you'll ever know. And people who don't understand that in their arrogance and in their ignorance wish for God to be what they need God to be. And God's going to be God whether you like him or not. He will find the remnant of people that will obey in accordance to a plan he will never change. Miracle? Ha! And God raised him from the dead on the third day morning is the only miracle that God wants you to acknowledge. The rest is just a demonstration of divine power in human life. And the miracles come from down up. Can you still see him in purpose on the other side of that activity that God provided in your life? miracle I prefer having the meaning so that the miracle can emerge as an emergent reality and truth that's found somewhere in the new days in the latter days so I sit I sit in fear and trembling but I sit convinced fully persuaded that it's not a miracle that we need it's a message. <laughs> yeah. Think on that. And when you finish, remember you heard it discussed so clearly, so brilliantly, <laughs> so humbly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. With such pain, it hurts. But it's a reality that does not escape anybody, any man, who will not focus on his pain but focus clearly on his purpose and you will discover the miracle. Think on these things. Listen, before I sign off tonight, you can email me at all lowercase letters, the night talker at yahoo.com or if you like to text or call and leave a message, you can do that at 478-254-9013. Look forward to hearing from you. Our time has passed and gone, but the journey moves on forward and upward towards him. Until we meet again, consider the joy of this part of the journey.